0: All righty, recording's going. Whoop, oh, we lost Vin. This happens once every week, and then he signs back in and he's fine. So, how's everybody doing today? Pretty good. I I trust. Hello, Lynn. How's it going? Norman's doing super. That's pretty good. Excellent. I feel like last week we left off with some stuff. Nope, that's not it. Here we go. So we got a few things left to talk about today. Last week we talked a little bit about tempo. uh, And I think we talked about the psychology of beginning the pipes as well. So we can get rid of those. I think all that's left today is strike-ins and maybe a couple of other things. What else needs to be added to this list that we need to talk about? Um, type in and let me know there. Uh, there's Vin again. Let me try and get Vin back into the fold. And <coughs> excuse me. And if you're if you're the strike in person, what kind of stuff do we need to know about strike ins? Um, give us some uh, a jumping off point there. That would be cool. Hey, Vin, are you out there? Where is your Computers still acting funny. All right, so v- uh, Ashby wants to know about double toning. that That one's easy. That one's pretty easy to fix. <laughs> Lynn says recommended drone valves. That's a good question. Oh, Vin Janowski 2 is now. Whoops. Sorry, Vin. Uh, so Vin Janowski 2 is now coming on. Does that mean I should boot Vin 1? I think I could do that. Uh, attendee options. No. Remove selected user. All right, then you should be good to go now. All right. Oh, there he is. I have trouble. I have trouble wanting to go on without you. You know. I think
1: <laughs> I, I got booted off as soon as it started. Something was weird.
0: Yeah, Adobe is undergoing some changes. I think in this month, and whenever they do this, it gets a little bit unstable, doesn't it? Uh, it's kind of weird. So anyway. Mm. Here we are. Okay. So here we are, everyone. So let's start with the drone valves. That one's easy. Uh, My personal uh, recommendation, the absolute best drone valve on the market is no drone valve at all. Okay? That's my my personal opinion on the matter and, therefore, the dojo stance on the matter.
1: (laughs) The official word.
0: Yeah, drone valves, are, um, drone valves are a shortcut that, um, you know, drone valves are a shortcut that, and it's a particularly bad shortcut because what drone valves do is um, they encourage a developing uh, bagpiper, they encourage a developing bagpiper to completely ignore the issue of stability and tonal quality which is a really, really vital part of what we call the bagpipe tree of sound. So what we have is at the base of the tree, we've got bagpipe maintenance. Okay, now next up is tonal quality. It's the overall quality of sound your instrument produces. And just what I always, the example I always use is, do you think anybody would know the name Jimi Hendrix? if he used a toy guitar instead of an amazingly uh, toneful instrument that was produced with tons of skill and insight, right? Uh, And then only after we produce a great tonal quality should we even think about tuning. Well, what drone valves are designed to do is uh, help you cheat at tonal quality. So they restrict the airflow to the drones so that there are less sudden uh, fluctuations in air pressure so that the drone sounds steadier. But what you sacrifice is um, tonal, you know, that sort of tonal richness and volume, as someone else was saying. But you also sacrifice the ability to hear when you're not blowing steadily.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and, I would, and Gary, I would say, I mean, it's not so much a, a crutch. I would disagree with that. It's not about a crutch. A crutch actually helps you. Get through whatever it is you need to get through uh, on your legs. I don't think these valves help anything really. Um, they actually hurt more than anything else. And a crutch doesn't hurt. It actually helps. So it's not a crutch. It's actually an in, in, in. I don't know what's the word. An impediment, maybe. Um, you know, as as Andrew said, just to sum it up, it is. I mean, it's an impediment to development and developing the sound quality that you really want to produce on the instrument. So
0: Gary might be referring to the tool versus the crutch. Uh, One-liner that I use a lot at the dojo. In which case, mm-hmm. even though semantically, Vin, I think you're right. Uh, I support Gary in thinking of the drone valves mm-hmm. as a crutch.
1: Yeah, and the, and the main problem too is that you have to learn a whole set of new skills to to use them properly, and and it's it's a completely different set of skills. It's not even like a compatible thing that sort of sort of works its way into an already existing skill set. You have to re work a lot of different things that you do to work, to work with them. So I don't see how they work. They help anybody really yeah.
2: that way.
0: Yeah. So, so there you go. You know, um, yeah. Will says his bandmates talk to you <laughs> into it. Well, yeah, the bandmates will often do that. Right. It's like, Hey, Hey, Will, everyone's doing it, man. Check out these drone valves. Uh, but it almost is, it almost <laughs> is like that sort of thing, right? When you're on the schoolyard and kids are encouraging you to do something that you know is yeah. really not good for you, but you do anyway because you kind of want to fit in maybe.
1: Yeah, so. I'm all for experimentation, you know. You know, have at it and, and try them out. I mean, it's like, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. But, you know, you have to, you can't well, form a definitive opinion unless you give them a go, I guess. you Yeah, know?
0: absolutely. And if you show me a drone valve, that makes my drones perfectly steady, and I have this amazingly awesome tone, you know, show me those drone valves, and hey, I'll try them. But, but at the end of the day, right, we, we sort of know, as, um, as, people, as people with rational brains, we know, we already know the truth about drone valves before we get involved, right? It's the same as a moisture control system. Right mm-hmm. uh, now, moisture control system does actually have some practical value, but in my opinion, only at the absolute highest levels of solo competing. Right. For the vast, vast majority of us, moisture control systems are not in our best interest. Uh, and we could talk about that a lot. But but anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's the, the drone valves I recommend are those uh, invisible ones. Uh, and, uh, I think they're only like a thousand dollars.
1: You Dosa. can tell everybody you have them in there if you need to. Will, you, know, you can go back to your band and just say, yeah, I got them in. You know, no people one's going to be
0: like, well, and then the thing is right, you know, in a few months, in, in a few months, because you've been able to truly focus on your own pure ability to achieve great tonal quality, people are going to come up to you and be like, Hey, Will, how do you get your drone valves to sound so <laughs> pristine like that?
1: Mine don't sound like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's the same thing with uh, you know we find the same thing to be true on the on the way more naturalistic side of the spectrum. You know, like whenever whenever Kevin um, <clears throat> whenever Kevin blows up his pipes at Stuart Highlanders, uh, you know it's always like, whoa, Kevin, what are you doing with those you know drones to make them sound so sweet? Well, of course, you know he's uh, playing king and drone Reads or something like that. You know, and it's like, oh, uh, wow, there you go. That explains everything. <laughs> So, oh, so there you go. It's pretty cool. Uh, okay, so uh, the next thing is double toning. Now, the the way to resolve double toning is to keep the first joint of the bass drone nice and low. Now, it looks like maybe Ashby's already done that. My bass wants to tuned at about one finger width. If I adjust the reed so that it tunes at about two finger widths, other band members believe. Ashby, I don't know what language this is. I'm working. I'm 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 doing my best. Attaching legacy
1: with rocket reeds. I have one bit of advice for that, and that's put in a different reed. That's your advice for the day, Ashby. Yeah. So uh, I, think, I think you're gonna you're gonna have that problem. You know, those rocket reeds can be very unstable, and if the tongue gets fatigued, there's no. There's no uh, saving
0: it, so
2: yeah, there.
0: there you go. Ashby, I would say, like, you know, your typing is usually better than this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. And I was like, oh, maybe he's on the mobile device because he often is on the mobile device. But uh, he's not. Okay, Ashby, let me try this again. So two-finger, which other band member believes that must be, I get a lot of double tones. Right. So if the drone, you know, in some. In and with the other
1: you shouldn't be getting that problem at all with pretty much any read. I mean, that should be. that's a very. No, you know, you should be you should be having more success. <laughs> you know.
0: See, Gary had a crutch joke at your expense there, Vince. So uh oh. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so Ashby, I, I hope that helps to some degree. Um yeah, you gotta keep that baby low and then sometimes one finger width is like the magical thing. Obviously, yeah. if we could sneak it up a little higher, that would be good because we want, you know, a little bit more resonating chamber space.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if it's working for you, I mean, it's not really. That's that's. The, I think the hard and fast rule is that there's no the hard and fast rule. <laughs> you know, we you know the two fingers is a rough guy but if you're getting a great sound with one, that's it. You know, that's where it should stay. Um, so.
0: Yeah, and then so yeah, like, and then that the other thing too, Ashby is I have a set of drone reads for my bagpipes where the bass tunes up really high. And it might occasionally double tone, but I would never play those reeds in the band for that reason. It's just not in, it's out of yeah. the question completely because if I screw up that attack, right, then the whole band is going to pay for that. Um, yeah. In the, in the result. And, and so, uh, you know, so there in, might be, in, in, let me finish my thought here, oh, which is those reeds sound great and harmonic and super rich and they're perfect for my solo setup. Uh, but in the band, Right. Uh, I need to find a different read. And, you know, frankly, maybe it doesn't sound quite as perfectly sweet and amazing as my solo one, but I know it will never double tone. There, therefore, uh, it's a good option for me in the band.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it especially in the Atherton's, I don't think your issue is with the drone itself. It's going to be always with the read you know when you have those issues um, sometimes the drone read combo just works the way it works and it's like Andrew said you know you can get away with it in some circumstances if you want to put up with it but um, you know try a different read and see if you get the same result it could be just that drone maybe it is that drone and you're gonna have to find the right read that works all around
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. the atherton uh, the atherton is at least conceptually probably more prone to double toning than a more modern instrument because it's mm. modeled to be exactly like one of those older models right mm-hmm. yeah not the idea yeah and, and, so, I, like, and I think it's, it's tough to
1: read it's tough to find a good read that works all the time no matter what you do <laughs> you know um, or forgiving a forgiving read, let's say you know um,
0: Yeah. it might be custom and then the thing is the custom rocket reads are not necessarily uh... <clears throat> you know going to not double tone that was a double negative sentence right. but um, but yeah, like even those custom reeds might double tone. That's just a fact of life, and it's not really anybody's fault. It's just the way the physics works in the bass drone itself, wow. right? Because we have that joint exactly halfway up the thing, and because of the wavelength of the frequency, right? If, mm-hmm. if there's any sort of weird backdraft, it can actually sort of like produce a backdraft, which causes the the reed. Um, which causes the fundamental of the reed to disappear, and so what it does is the reed tries to make the fundamental one octave higher, and it's really weird.
1: Yeah, and it's a, you know, and because the rockets are made to spec, you know, they're 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 custom made for the drones that they're you know going in. Um, any deviation can have an influence on on that performance. So, you know.
0: The other thing that I find here's another thing that I find, although um, you'll never hear me talk about this very often because. Um, You know, we're all about calibration of drone reads here at the dojo. But sometimes I find if I thread the needle too much on the base in the calibration process, it can get a bit finicky and um, it's more prone to double toning. So, like Ashby, one thing to consider would be uh, just opening up the base a split hair, even though it violates the laws of calibration ever so slightly. You might find it gives you that. added stability Mm -hmm. it's the same thing like sometimes when you over calibrate the tenor drones they get squealy and it's the same sort of thing like you know if it's a big problem like in the band it's like you can sacrifice a little bit of the world's most perfect molecularly Mm -hmm. down to the molecular level the world's most perfect calibration Um, you could sacrifice that a little bit if it Helps you ensure that your base drone is going to stop.
1: Yeah, this, I mean, in, in some reads, depending on what reads you're playing around with, whether it's rockets or anything else, you know, in, in my athletes, in my I, I tend to get a buzz when I'm not in the sweet spot. So you got to find that right, whether it's just a little bit extra, you know, sort of past the calibration point, um, you know, your nose cone is adjusted a certain way, and that's, that's the there's a very narrow range where you don't get sort of a wacky performance in some way. And I always get this. Weird buzz if I'm not in it. And that's always my guide like, oh, I got to do something. Because, you know, even though it feels good, (laughs) it's not sounding good. So um, just keep playing around.
0: Yeah. Um, Two finger widths. Okay. So, Ashby, let's talk about the next thing. Band members saying your bass drum has to be at two finger widths. Um, I don't think I'd play it that high seems like a lot. Uh, My pipes are in the other room. Uh, Now, two finger widths. Okay, that might be a good starting point, but that's a totally arbitrary measurement that may or may not have anything to do with any one set of pipes. So, so Ashby, I think that's probably a good starting point, but, you know, if it doesn't work at two finger widths, then go for one and a half. Yeah, Kevin says it's one thumb width. That's probably what mine is on average.
1: That's it. to scale.
0: Yeah, see, that's probably too much, but this i be right about enough. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. And whose fingers are we talking about anyway, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: You Exactly. You get the sausage links, that, or you have like a little uh, French fry fingers. Too you know,
0: two pookies. <laughs> Even that's too much. And then, ooh, I'm going to make a joke. And then, Ashby, based on your typing today, I would say your fingers are probably a lot wider than others. <laughs> oh, and I, I think I crossed the line. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, if anyone's wondering, you know, Ashby usually tunes in at 7.30 and has excellent typing skills.
1: Yeah. I think bottom, bottom line, jokes aside, you know, you're if you're getting double tones in any way, right, with your strike-ins especially, Um, you know, that that's your sure sign to adjust in some fashion. So so all we're talking about here is really figuring out what to play with to get rid of it, you know, to make it better for you, you know.
0: Generally speaking, now, um, I'm a little bit of an extremist because I want to do – I want to have the best possible bagpipe I can when I play in my band. But um, I – it's one of these things that drives me crazy. And and I'm going to regret saying this someday – (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to eat my words, but like I set up my bagpipes so there's a zero percent chance of bass drone double tone. If there's even a if, if there's even a point zero zero one percent chance yeah. it could happen, I change my I change my setup. I get I get rid of that yeah. reed, um, because it's just not worth it. And there's so many different combinations that will work.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's there's a couple of makes of reads that I just can't. I just won't play because of that. There is that 0.01 chance, you know, that will, that it might double tone, and I just can't. I can't abide it. <laughs> Not at all. Zero is going to be in that wrong situation where it happens, and, you know, it's,
0: that's silly. John says Angus McCall, McCall tunes his high. A, 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 absolutely. I tune mine high in solos as well. Angus yeah. is, is primarily a solo player. If he plays with his bass section really high in the band, it's one of two things. Either it's not a great idea, or more likely, he's tested it so many times that he knows there's no way that setup is going to double tone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And high is not a, not a necessarily a you know a taboo thing either. You know, um, if you, you can get a good performance of the student, a little bit higher than two fingers, you know. But
0: oh yeah, uh, generally as a speaking, of fact, it's, you know. As a matter of fact, theoretically, right? Um, you want it right on the hemp line to get maximum res- resonance. Right. In theory. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, roughly two fingers. I think that's good. That's probably roughly where mine tunes. Mine mm-hmm. might be more like one thumb, really, when it gets down to it. Norman's saying, what are the reeds or are, am I not allowed to say? Um, the answer is I, uh, over the past 10 years or so, have used canards, um, rockets, um, and croziers, all of which have served me really well. Um, so, you know, at any given time, Norman, I'm playing a combination of the three of those. Uh, and I also occasionally play cane depending on what sort of mood. mood. (laughs) Depending on my mood and my commitment level.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there is definitely, you know, so many choices out there. You can find the one that fits your particular pipe, you know, um, and they're not all universal either. Right. So you're going to have to experiment a little, spend some money, you know, buy some reeds, um, and and figure out what which, which one works best. You know, there's not a you know there's a there's some that just won't work at all, and then others that you wouldn't expect to work work great. So, um, you know, try not.
0: Absolutely. So, is that does that cover what we need to with strike ins? Was that the main inspiration behind that? I am. Um...
1: Here's 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 a question I want to add to the strike in thing. In bands, obviously, maybe the answer is pretty pretty straightforward. But when what's what would be the more appropriate sort of blow up strike in procedure for a soloist? Do you do you like a solid drone sound before you sound a chanter, or do you like the sort of blowing in of the drones as the chanter comes in, kind of
0: striking? I think I know what you mean. The answer is the answer is. Uh, I don't really think about that too much. I like a little bit of, I, I have to say, and then this is just a personal thing, I kind of dig the mass chaos and, you know, the mass chaos strike-in sound right. for so, for solos, not for bands. The band right. should go, it should be yeah, a relatively be like stable sound tone, right, yeah. an e, right, for the band, yeah. yeah. But in the solos, I kind of dig a little bit of like uh, a little bit of discordant chaos
1: yeah,
0: yeah. that sort of goes wing when you get your pipes in, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, I kind of like a slow
1: ease into the, into the, into the performance. Yeah. It seems to, and it's a tricky thing to do like, and look good at doing it. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a knack, you know, you got to actually practice it. So, it's, But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so, in agreement. I, I kind of like the sort of the ease in and then it's just sort of like, then you have the sound, the chanter sound and it all seems to blend a lot better. I don't know, for some reason, just to, because it's, like, that resolution or something, you know. But
0: well, you can't overdo it. You can't overdo it either. Like, I've seen some guys go up there and, like, do the mass chaos for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> and then no, like, like, okay, maybe up to five seconds of chaos, but then get on with it already. You know, yeah. like, there's some people hamming it up out there, too. I, I, and, again, this is just personal preference, but it's, like, I, I do like a little bit of chaos and then you know patiently bringing it in and then hitting that nice sweet low A yeah, is yeah. pretty cool, yeah.
1: Uh, cool. but uh, yeah yeah but and that emphasizes if you're going to do that folks out in the world um, you know that emphasizes the need for and you know as good a bagpipe setup as you can get you know all the fundamentals must be in place because your drones are just not going to cooperate <laughs> otherwise so yeah,
0: yeah and so Steven, uh Steve and Wilkinson is saying, "Big Angus, yeah, you said to double oh, yeah. tone always before." It. Yeah, and that's cool. That that's great. Like the best is when sometimes there's like a little ring-a-ding-ding thing, like a little rhythmical thing that happens too. They yeah, go yeah. ring-a-ding, ding-a-ding, ding, ding, ding-a-ding, ding-a-ding. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then it just comes <laughs> together, and it's just so great. Yeah, total. Yeah, and then meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, as far as band strikings are concerned, you just want to sound like. Field Marshall sounds.
1: Yeah, it's just got to come in like a rolling thunder, you know.
0: It's cool. It's cool, man. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, you don't want anything crazy, obviously, happening when you strike in with the band.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and while we're on the subject of strike-ins, too, is, you know, we're talking about double toning and re-performing stuff, but the whole process of your strike-in, there aren't any real... Um, rules either right. It's going to be you know like if you're in a band, especially you know anybody really want to strike in, them. people give you tips on how to hit the bag or whether or not you should have it mostly inflated, all inflated, or where you're hitting it or where all this stuff. But you have to really find what's what works for your instrument and you you know comfortably to get that proper strike in. You know, um, so that's that's take some experimentation and. Some feeling and sort of feeling it out and trying different things and um different reads are always gonna need a different kind of approach sometimes. Um so there's that. Cause there some is, people slap yeah. that bag like they're spanking their their wee baby, you know. So it's like yeah. <laughs> I was like that don't never. Slap works. A bag. Yeah.
0: This is not we're not drinking wine from a box here. We're playing bag packs. <laughs> like no, you don't need to slap it. Just like, you know, <clears> hand <throat> on the bag, squeeze. Yeah. a little arm. squeeze. Play note, Yeah, absolutely. Keep it minimal. You know, like that would be my, my, uh, overall approach to striking in is I want, you know, I want my bagpipes to go through the least amount of, um, you know, movement or, Mm -hmm. you know, chaos as possible. So, so I get my drones bouncing naturally on my shoulder. Um, and then, uh, you know, very, very subtle move here, put it under, play E, you know, try to keep it controlled and, don't be flailing around and winding up and slapping it and doing all sorts of weird stuff um, because you want it to be controllable.
2: It's Mm -hmm. something
0: that you need to control. Now, granted I've probably done strike ins like gajillions of times at this point. So if you're a beginner, you know, it'll take some practice and it, it definitely it's going to be a little awkward until you get the perfect balance yeah. of everything down. So. Yeah,
1: the, the the trouble is that you, everybody, a lot of people when they're sort of first starting out or they're uh, you know in some lower grade band, you see these people panicking, you know, when the striking happens. You know, they panic and they get the pipes and then they're rushing to throw the bag under their arm and then then they grab their chanter and try to try to make an e, <laughs> uh, and it you know and inevitably it'll happen too soon or uh, it won't be an e when it happens and. Uh, you know there's no reason to panic just it should be a settled controlled kinda of thing if you've got enough air in the bag it, it, the reads are all calibrated and everything's good it should just happen you know um, if you, you're you know there's always that moment where you might hit the bag incorrectly or too hard you know things that, like that happens but it's an easy adjustment you know if you, with some practice if you know how to do it yeah. um
0: so here's another yeah. one so we, out of the 49 people here today how many of us have ever had an early chanter sound when they've struck in their pipes?
1: Duh. Yeah.
0: Les has had fifty. Lynn said 50. that could be. You count them?
1: Oh my gosh. That's, that's that'll do wonders for your self-esteem. Don't count them. <laughs>
0: um, okay, good. So let me. I'm going to tell you this magical secret. To never having an early chanter again. Which is actually, no, that's not really it. I'm going to give you the secret to making sure if that ever happens again, no one will hear it. How about that? <laughs> Out of 49 people, 50 have had an early E. Gotcha, Les. Gotcha. <laughs> so here's the deal. When I strike in, I'll use my practice chanter as an example. Now, here's my secret to keeping keeping it so if you ever have an early chance or no one would ever hear it does anyone know what I'm gonna talk about anyone know the trick good I'm not gonna play high i uh, I'm not gonna play high A but as I strike in right during the strike in process I always keep my thumb off the hole like this and this was taught to me by Jack Lee by the way full disclosure um, he taught he taught me two key things, which makes it so I never screw up an attack ever, okay? So as I'm doing my attack, you know, like put the hand up on the bag, striking in all this stuff, my thumb is off the hole. Now granted, I'm going to have to put it on at some point, but I don't put it on until I've passed the danger zone, right? So the danger zone of striking in is usually when you first strike the bag and for a, a second or two as you tuck it under, sometimes during the tuck, but as soon as I get the bag tucked under the arm, then it's safe to put my thumb down. Now, there's a, so that's the first trick, okay? Now, there's a secondary trick that's related to that, which is, I also keep my E finger down until the absolute last second, okay? So, my startup position is actually like this, three fingers down, thumb off the hole. Why, would, why do you think, and this is, again, Jack taught me this, but why do you think it's a good idea to leave the E finger down during the strike-in process? Why, why do you think that's so important? Kevin says control the chanter. This is even more important than control of the chanter. <laughs> it has nothing to do with air getting out. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. If I this is actually this probably never happened to you, but if uh, you didn't know this trick, trust me, eventually it would. Right? Which is so? If I accidentally screwed up, the worst case scenario here is I'd get a little high A, a little high A squeak sound. Okay. But the other problem is sometimes. Even if I strike in on time, what happens if I misplace my bottom hand and put, and put uh, my, you know, and put the bottom hand starting where the E is, just by accident? Oh, see, Bruce has done that. You're exactly right. Oh, Bruce. Yeah. yeah. If, I miss, if I miss the hole, I'm going to end up playing, I'm going to end up playing a nice B to start my set. <laughs> right? That's happened to me before, for sure. Uh, And the way that, uh, the way I was taught by Jack to do this is, yeah, Mary's done that a lot of times. So thumb off the hole and keep this down until the last second. So, you know, and then then sort of as, once my pipes are safely up, I get, I sneak this guy down and I lift this guy up, right? And that guarantees that no matter what happens during my strike-in, that guarantees that the worst-case scenario is I get a little bit of a, a quiet high A that also blends with the drones way better than a D or an E would, right? So the worst-case scenario in early chanter would be just a little squeak, right? And then also guaranteeing I'm actually going to play the note E when I start. You know? Anyway, that is, that's my routine. It takes a little bit of practice to get used to it. What's the other thing too, right? There's another thing that you have to be, and this is sort of an advanced thing, but here's a great thing to think about that you hardly ever talk about, but it's totally true, right? If you get the feeling, right? You, let's say you do all these things, but if you get the feeling during the attack that something's going wrong, what should you do? I'll give you a hint. It's the same thing you do at any point during a band performance if you feel like you're about to screw up what should you do if you get the sense that your attack is about to go wrong yeah don't stop okay don't stop that would be very bad okay but you don't have to play the E Right. it would be much better to skip the E altogether and come in on the first note of the tune, than it would be to allow something bad to happen.
1: and your, and your advanced trick in that in that sense is to actually maybe come in on the first high A if it's soon within <laughs> the first couple of bars, you know, yeah, just so you can just sort your... of blend. That's, that's your more advanced trick where you can come in sort of unnoticeably, you know, um, you know coming on one of the lower notes you can tend to maybe be heard sometimes.
0: No one will ever hear it. I mean, unless you're in a very small band. Maybe. But if you're in a larger band, you know, I just, you know, occasionally I screw up the attack and the key is to stay chill and just skip the E and that yeah. gives you two more beats to get back in on the tune, right? Yeah.
1: I thought, you know, I used my, you know, if I think back to the, the change when, I, when I strike-ins and attack stopped being a problem, it was when I stopped thinking that I had no time to do it, right? I, I started thinking like I had all the time in the world. And you do have all the time in the world. You have, like, you know, it's like multiple seconds. And then everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. You have all the time in the world. And nothing can go wrong because you're in control the whole time. So when I stopped thinking about the rush to get the bag under my arm and play the E, like somehow it's going to happen too soon for you to, to, to do it, um, things started falling into place. You know, suddenly you could control it a lot better, you know, because you do have a lot of time. <laughs> you have, like, how many seconds, you know?
0: I'm in absolute agreement so uh, yeah slow is fast I'm not sure that's true but <clears throat> I'd see I think I see where you're getting at there um, hey I got some interesting news um, which is I think that um, Mondays at noon, starting in o- October the 22nd, is it? Um, I think that Rob Matheson is going to join our staff for the next while, which is pretty cool. And uh, I feel pretty comfortable announcing that's going to cool. happen. It seems like everything's fallen into place there. So,
1: You know, he's going to um, teach, or do you have, to have an idea?
0: He's going to teach kind of like Bruce does. We're going to pick a new topic every week and – We'll have some themes where we do similar things as weeks go on. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be really neat. Um, we're going we're gonna to be expanding on the noon time slot here um, over the next few months, which I think will be kind of cool.
1: And, uh, he's, yeah. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a unique uh, perspective on things. He's been at it a long time, and he's at the highest level. So he's got a, a pretty good uh, outlook on things. seen a lot of it. Come up with a lot of potential solutions. A lot of the things that the RSPBA does now came right from his brain, theoretically, and so
0: conceptually, yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. So, those of you who are available during the noon time slot, like like uh, you are on a Wednesday, it could be a really cool chance to check out um, some great uh, instruction there. So, and if not, of course, it'll all be recorded for the archive as well. So, here's what I want to do. Let's wrap this up. Are there any more topics that, quote, every bagpiper should know uh, that we need to cover before the end of this series happens? Anything that we missed? What's something every bagpiper should know that you feel like you don't know? Or that you feel like people need to know?
1: They should wash uh, their bag covers.
0: Wash their <laughs> bag covers?
1: Yes, you should actually take it off and clean it like laundry pit. Nah. Oh, you're, not, you're not, not a bag cover washer.
0: No. <laughs> you just let it. We're, Highland, we're Highlanders, for God's sake. We really <laughs> exactly. need to wash them. so. see uh, Tom is typing. Blowpipe length. That's a good question. There is no better person on the entire planet more qualified to talk about blowpipe length than Carl Donnelly. So, uh, Carl. Uh, what are your thoughts on blowpipe length? Is
1: he out there?
0: He might be out there. Usually, he tries to sneak and do work while we're talking. Blowpipe length. It's interesting you should mention this, Tom, because my blowpipe has been too long for at least a year, and I've have I've yet to fix it. Yeah,
2: you kind of right. know when it is, Sorry, too, don't you? Me. Yeah. Took me a yeah. moment to get uh, going there. Uh blow stick length. Um adjustable <laughs> would be my most favorite um answer there because they just you know you want to have that a, a exact adjustability. Like who is who who has a blow stick that is exactly eleven and a half inches and that's perfect for you? Why not eleven and a quarter? um you know unless you're going to have the the blow stick made custom for you i love the adjustable option because uh you you can really fine tune it to exactly where you need it um and and if it's too long or too short it's going to adjust your posture and um your ability to make good music so uh, i i love the the adjustable um options that being said uh I don't use one. I have a fixed one that I have changed the um, blow stick length on uh, for the uh, sorry the mouthpiece length um, to to get it exactly how I need it. So uh, yeah, don't be afraid to cut it down. I guess would be my my follow up with that. If you so, if um, you don't want to go the the adjustable route, don't be afraid to modify it.
0: Um, so Carl. I think the issue is more, how do you get the right length blowpipe, not what blowpipe to use.
2: Well, how do you get the right length? Use adjustable or cut it down. Yeah, but
0: what Um, is the right length?
2: It's where it's most comfortable. Not too long, not too short. I mean, it's it's going to be up to you um, individually. so that it doesn't negatively impact your posture. Can your bag get all the way under your arm? Is your chaner in the right position? It's not too far down or too far up. Um, yeah. So you, you gotta have a good, good kind of fundamental posture, um, where your chaner is kind of level to the ground, straight out in front of you, um, and the blow stick sits comfortably in your mouth. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, like uh, the the way I would do it is this: you need to be able to play your bagpipes com- comfortably with good posture, with your head forward. See, my problem is my head kind of ends up cranking to the right right now, because my blowpipe is a little too long. Um, so I, I think I could use an inch less. And then, and then your your chanter on your bagpipes. For me, the middle of the middle of between my hands my rule is I like that to line up with my solar plexus so here's my solar plexus and then it lines up with the middle that's how I know my hands are in the right spot people with blowpipes that are too long uh, will often end up with their chanter down here which is not the best place for control of finger work and for posture and for general comfort
1: and also might force you to especially if it's You know, if you're in the habit of doing that, you like if you cut it down shorter, you'll start leaning forward, which is also not good. You don't want to be bending your back to be playing either. So,
0: Will is asking about whether or not the oval versus the round blowpipe matters. I don't think it matters. I definitely am a round guy, though. Like for me, the oval requires too much adjustment, so I like to just keep it round. I don't have
1: to. Yeah, oh, I've been using the oval. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It's like my teeth started hurting just from using the round you know the bottom teeth, my top, bottom teeth are starting, to, Every I would finish playing and they'd be aching and I'd be like, oh, you know, let me try the oval piece, maybe that would be better, and it was. So, there you go. It's an even.
2: It's Yeah, I use play. the oval as well, but you definitely have to, it's one more thing to think about when you're playing and uh, especially if you're like uh, dumping your water trap a lot when you're in Scotland and playing yeah, you, you gotta in rainy conditions, you've got to make sure that ends up comfortable. And more often, not more often, but occasionally uh, I've ended up having to play a contest with it just slightly out of skew, and it's yeah, it's yeah. okay, you, you do fine, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it's one more thing to worry about, but I definitely prefer the, the oval.
0: Someone was asking about wanting to learn more about moisture control systems. Uh, I'm not really going to do that. Um, we do have class at Dojo U about that, and I, al- I also run into trouble when I start talking about moisture control systems, because obviously we're not big advocates, and then, um, and then advocates and or manufacturers of moisture control systems sometimes feel like I'm insulting moisture control systems. I think they're great systems, I just don't think they pl- should play a role in, a, in the developing PIPER's uh, trajectory
1: yeah I mean it, you know moisture gets a bad rap a lot of times, especially these days, everybody's like so worried about it and it is a concern, but you know that some of these some of these systems get to be a bit extreme <laughs> um yeah. to the point where you don't you know if everything else is in the right place you this shouldn't be a concern needing such an extreme solution that's all
0: yeah, and then someone else was talking about water traps, so Bruce, what do we need to discuss in regards to water traps? I know someone else brought it up before. As far as the installation of the water trap, I mean they're all different and they all are installed in different ways so um, there's not a whole lot to say there, other than that we just need to install them as they were designed
1: yeah are they good yeah i I think a, a tube trap is probably you know a good addition to your to your instrument you know
0: I, yeah. think, uh, I use a tube talking... trap. I use a tube trap, but I hate that thing and i I question whether it does me any good at
1: all. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i been known to not even empty mine, you know, half the time. Like, you know, just, you just keep playing. I like, leave the moisture in the bag, and it seems to be going well. And then you realize, oh, I haven't emptied in a while. And you dump the thing, and it's like a, you know, quarter cup of water comes out of the thing. And it's like, you know, what, what has it really done to me <laughs> while I was playing? You know, I don't know.
0: Ruth says, "What if you blow wet?" Well, most people, uh, I'm the wettest blower I've ever met, and um, you know I do I do fairly well with a simple tube trap. And yeah, I dump it out. You know, I just spec, uh, I just don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. you're dumping some kind of
1: Piper have been struggling with this for a millennia <laughs> or something, because you know and you can go back as early as the the, uh, the sort of John McClellan's uh, handbook. For pipers, right? That little book that just floats around out there, and in there is a is a directions on how to make a simple water trap with a cork and a piece of pipe and all this. Stuff. So pipers have been thinking about this forever, you know. that book was made in I think the early '60s or something.
0: So um, Steve, that's a good question. So. Mine is definitely a split stock. Yeah, yep. That way I can get at it if I need to. Yeah. So um, the, and then, the, the
1: concern of collecting spit and condensation is always been out there you just
0: do whatever you and it's really not you know once you're beyond the first six months of playing the water that comes out is not spit right uh, yeah. it's uh, it <laughs> is it's is just condensation right that mm-hmm. that condenses on the tube Yeah. and of course right and the, at the end of the day right I mean the water trap might buy you a few extra minutes mm-hmm. um, But again, remember, without moisture in the system, you're not going to get stability or good tonal quality. Um, So we need some moisture, but not a lot. Therefore, it's one of these things we will always have to deal with as pipers. The question is, how do you deal with it the best? You know, another example is, you know, I want to be able to play um, a full 90 minute soccer match without getting tired right? Um, How, you know, how many of the world's best soccer players or football players for those who are, you know, how many of them finish games without being tired? Do you think there are any of them? No, I don't think so. And so, and therefore, right, I, I don't really believe dryness is the objective in piping, right? The objective is not to never get wet, Right? I mean, sure, I could, I could play a 90-minute soccer match without getting tired if I just walked the whole time.
1: It's yeah, the same touched sort of thing, ball.
0: right? <laughs> yeah, it's the same sort of thing where we want moisture in the system in order to uh, produce great harmonics. Um, it, uh, however, too much is a bad thing. So it's all about maximizing the amount of playtime we can get with great sound um, and knowing, you know, knowing when to expect the bagpipe to become unstable and make sure we don't reach that point um, until the end of a performance. Yeah.
1: And, you know, and if you've got your, you know, if your instrument is set up with good reads and you know, got a good bag and everything's calibrated and everything's working, um, you should get a good long performance out of that if, before you right. need to worry about it. Um, so uh, everything should be good.
0: That's right. And it's the, same, it's the same as anything, right? So going back to the soccer analogy, the performance analogy, which is, you know, you can practice drills for a really long time, even once you get really, really tired. However, you're not going to practice really, really hard and exhaust yourself before a big game, right? So I could practice my pipes for two hours. However, you know, after about 45 minutes, I'm no longer going to expect them to be magnificently stable. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean I can't mm-hmm. practice. It doesn't mean I can't get a great sound. All it means is I'll lose some stability and I'll need to mm-hmm. tune more often and or you know be a little bit tolerant of some instability in the tuning. So so there you go. Um, you know, great questions. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up there. So stay tuned for more news about. Um, Rob Matheson's upcoming classes, and uh, if you have any questions or great topics for classes, definitely email us because we're always, you know, looking for good stuff to talk about. And other than that, I think I think this is a wrap.
1: Cool. Hope it was all useful. Hope everybody can go out there and uh, knock it dead.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see you later, guys.
1: All right. Have a good day.
0: See you then. See ya.